demand generation, what I like to brand it as, is a go-to-market strategy. And if you think about lead gen, if you think about ABM, if you think about product-led, if you think about an events-led strategy, all of those are a foundational strategy that a company decides that they want to deploy. Everything else of what they do, all the different departments, marketing, sales, customer success, everyone else works towards that initiative. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the GTM News Show. I got Janelle here today. Hey Janelle. Hey, thanks for having me. Super great to have you. Looking forward to our conversation. So Janelle, I found her on LinkedIn, like I do most of my guests, and she's a demand gen consultant in the B2B world. And I uh, wanted to have her on, because uh, she, she has a great podcast around demand gen. Um, and we've actually, this is my second demand gen topic recently. We had some other folks recently on. Um, and it's really important. So I, yeah, I kind of have a new set of questions for Janelle that I didn't cover with the other folks. Um, and uh, really diving deep because I think this topic is super important and we could probably spend hours and hours on it. So uh, Janelle, I'd love to jump right in from kind of your perspective as a consultant and working in uh, the B2B world. Uh, what is, how do you define de demand generation and why is it important? Yeah, I love that question. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Demand generation, what I like to brand it as is a go-to-market strategy. And if you think about lead gen, if you think about ABM, if you think about product-led, if you think about an events-led strategy, all of those are a foundational strategy that a company decides that they want to deploy. Everything else of what they do, all the different departments, marketing, sales, customer success, everyone else works towards that initiative. And so when we brand it as a go-to-market strategy, we are now able to unify and connect multiple departments to work towards a unified goal. A common misconception about demand gen is that you just have a demand gen department or a demand gen team hmm. who's responsible for driving 30% of revenue or whatever percent of revenue is allocated towards that, which makes it merely impossible. So I'm on a mission to help companies and individuals rebrand the mindset of demand gen into making it an orchestration of a full funnel approach, mm. orchestrating it with other departments as well within marketing, sales, customer success, product, et cetera, to roll it up to the top level of what the business objectives actually are and to align that strategy with those core objectives. Super cool. I love that. And I love the uh, broadening perspective of demand gen and looking at it's not just top of funnel. It's not just you know creating leads or, or opportunities. It is that, uh, but it's also you can affect uh, business objectives through all sorts of different ways. And um, I love for you to kind of talk about maybe two sides of it. And one side is what are maybe some of the pitfalls of not adopting this more broad mindset? Like what are some of the areas that maybe some of the pain and challenges people are experiencing? by just focusing demand gen on just top of funnel or, or maybe, uh, you know, leads or opportunities. Um, and then we can kind of get to the other side of it, which is the positives. Yeah. I mean, I think that the pitfall or the side effects to not unifying it across the multiple departments is the same as what you would find on any other go-to-market approach that's not unified. So great comparison here is lead gen. Um, a great pitfall or headache with lead gen is having marketing say, you know, we generated an MQL, we sent it over to the sales team and they go down a rabbit hole. They're not qualified. Um, there's no intent or something that's lacking of quality and it gets stuck there. 
if we take the same lens and apply that, you know, saying we are driving quality leads, but we don't have that orchestration with other departments, all of a sudden demand gen or marketing is driving these high quality leads that nobody cares about is not going to be followed up on. And that mm -hmm. enthusiasm of wanting to talk to somebody, because if at some point you're in the buyer's journey and you're like, listen, I just want to talk to somebody to help me buy. And if you're at that point and the other people are like, I don't really have time for you or like, sorry, I'm working on this other target list or, you know, it just, they don't, they don't give you that like customer experience that you would need to then satisfy your craving of that brand of wanting to learn more. Your high quality lead and on the investment that you just did, like that's a pitfall, right? So having that mm -hmm. connection and I, I still say handoff, if you will, between marketing and sales, but it's, it's a blended handoff because marketing's job is not done. Um, once things go over to sales, um, but understanding what the touch points are. And so I've, I've done a couple of podcast episodes about them, like demand gen will fail if you don't modernize your sales process. A lot of sales mm. processes follow methodologies like medic, right? Um, which I'll, I'll go on record. I'm not bashing none of those. I'm not saying they're wrong. All I'm saying is whatever sales methodology you use must be complementary of the rest of your mm. go-to-market approach. That's it. So please, by all means, implement one. Just make sure that it's complementary and not frictionful. Um, but if you have processes that are full of friction between trying to get a lead from marketing over to sales, it's going to spiral down with um, increasing the sales cycles or not being able to get the conversion between like an MQL or an SQL or an SQL to an SQO. And it's going to, on paper, show that demand gen isn't working. So those are some of the common pitfalls that I like to like address. And it's like, it's, it's a go-to-market strategy. Like it's not just one and done handoff and, you know, everybody's got to be aligned with what we're working towards or else the journey all the way from beginning to end, it's going to, there's going to be leaks. Super cool. Thanks for sharing. I love the, uh, the sales methodology, uh, highlight of that being a critical piece of making sure those are in alignment. Uh, maybe other, I love to hear about other departments, maybe customer success or product. Where have you seen, how can they affect demand gen and then vice versa? How can demand gen help with product in customer success? Love those questions. We'll start with product. Um, product sometimes, and this is just my experience. I don't want to say all product individuals, they like to work in silo. Um, and so they're working on really great product enhancements or product features, or sometimes they're only talking to customer success. Customer success is the only one that has the direct feedback of what customers needs and the features and the questions and the issues and all those things. And they're connecting product and customer success, which is fine. Marketing's out of the loop. So if a new feature is upgraded or a new product like release is happening and marketing knows nothing about that. We can't support the distribution of that message, which could then help with top of funnel efforts, could then help with pitching some PR work. It could then help with sales enablement with their cadences or their outreaches. It could also help with customer success for upselling and cross-selling. So if somebody is at, at a core, and it doesn't have to be marketing, it could be product, it could be customer success, but the point is somebody has to then think full funnel and say, how does this apply for the other departments, top of funnel, cross, um, you know, cross sell, expand, all the other components, sales, sales enablement, SDR, AEs, like everybody contributes to this message as a company, as a brand. So it doesn't always have to be demand gen, doesn't have to be marketing, but there's got to be somebody that's communicating to that. So say product takes this product um, release to market, 
and no buzz is generated. And they're like, man, we expected to have X amount of MQLs from that or X amount of opportunities or whatever the you know KPI was and it failed, who gets blamed for that? Marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so the lack of communication and the siloness really affects them mm. on multiple levels. Same from a customer success perspective. Customer success is hearing that um, the entire product suite works great, except they hate this one forum or this one whatever component that's always buggy or always glitchy. And marketing is taking a market that our forum is our competitor um, or our competition or what makes us different, you know, and everything about our forum is great. Our forum is this. By the time we get and sales, you know, say sales is like, hey, you know, what makes us different? Our forum, we offer this, da, 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 whatever. And then by the time they get to customer success, customer success is like banging their head and they're just like, <laughs> not this again. You know, they're mm. like, it's the same problem over. Like, we should not be talking about this, but nobody else knows that we shouldn't be talking about that. So those are some of like the pitfalls, headaches, challenges that happens when these departments don't communicate with each other. I couldn't agree more. And I've experienced uh, a lot of those uh, challenges, the siloing of different departments. And I think, especially with the grow at all costs mentality, we've been mm -hmm. in, in a lot of B2B organizations, there's been this, um, you know, efficiency is like everyone, you know, just, just grow at all costs. And so, uh, cross collaboration is hard uh, and it takes work and um, you know, you, it's, it's not an assembly line as much as um, maybe uh, everyone kind of being in their own, in their own uh, uh, part of the funnel. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how do organizations. Um, so from like, maybe from a demand gen or maybe from the marketing team, how can they be a leader in creating that cl cross collaboration in having these conversations um, and breaking down those barriers and, you know, how can they work with the executive team, et cetera, to, to help create this collaboration? Yeah, I'll frame it in two lenses. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had this sickness like two and a half weeks ago that oh, I just have this lingering cough and like it won't like effing go away. Oh, <laughs> and so I still have like this raspiness. No, I'm sorry because I'm the one ruining the audio quality of this podcast. It's totally fine. <laughs> so I'll start with two ways. One, if you're the marketing leader, like that's your job to unify the departments. Like you need to be in constant communication with the sales leader. You need to be constant communication with the product, uh, head of product, with the head of CS, whatever, you know, titles and, and or the structure that looks like, but it's your job to create monthly at a minimum, go to market conversations where we're all talking about mm -hmm. challenges, questions, alignments, enablements. And that's the time where all the marketing leaders bring up, hey, if our forum is a problem of why we're having a high churn, marketing, make sure that you're not using that in your messaging. So just having those open communication loops. If you're not a marketing leader, say you're a demand gen individual on a marketing team, what I did when I was in-house is I would create these campaign briefs where I would then pull in, in addition to the support I needed on the marketing side, design, content, operations, whatever, I would then take anything I was doing and run it by my friend in product or my friend in sales or my friend in customer success and say, have at it, like, let me know. And I like to prep them in advance so that it's not just, I have no time to review this and all of a sudden my mm -hmm. campaign can't go live today when that was this, the target schedule date. It's the whole purpose of creating the brief. Saying, hey, in two weeks, we're gonna go live with this. Can you pencil time on Thursday? I don't care, morning, afternoon, whatever, to take five minutes to review what I wanna put in market. And of course, all of this works better 
when you have the relationships established up front. So if you're just joining a company, I highly recommend doing those intro calls, understanding what those challenges are, and finding a way to immediately become what I like to call Biffles, best, fr best friends for life. Um, <laughs> finding a way to really establish that working relationship. Um, and so like marketing to sales saying, hey, what's the biggest reason you're losing deals today? They could say it's because we don't have a nurture. It's because we don't have any ROI data. It's because we don't have any whatever that is. And make it your mission to, if you can, give it to them like from the jump and show like I'm here to be a partner. Let's give, give, take or Yeah, give, give, take mentality. Give, mm -hmm. give, ask. Um, and so take that approach if you're just starting out. And then over time, as you're proactive in setting up these meetings, um, make sure it's a good use of everybody's time. And then that you're leading, you're, you're being proactive in those and unifying the departments. That's a really long that. answer. Sorry. No, that's great. <laughs> I think, I mean, I heard, uh, I mean, the biggest thing that kind of stuck out to me is this a simple word, simple but complex word, leadership. Uh, providing leadership. And I think even the go to market uh, concept of like, how do we unify everything is a relatively new concept in a lot of businesses I've worked in and and have heard. And so I think providing that leadership of like, hey, it's not just marketing, it's how do we what's our entire go to market strategy? And then how can demand gen marketing teams help provide leadership? Um, if there isn't leadership there already? Super cool. I love that. I love to hear kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, I, there, there's a, a phrase that's gone uh, around a lot, which is like, th there's demand generation, but there's also demand capture. Can you kind of describe to me like what the difference is between those two and um, where do they fit in marketing and, and demand generation in general? Yeah, so those two terminologies is actually create demand and capture demand. They were coined by an individual called Chris Walker. He's the CEO of a company called Refine Labs. If you don't know of him or haven't followed him, please do. He's kind of like the goat of all of this interventions. Um, but essentially, create demand is, is is more of like that top of, top of funnel approach where you're understanding like how you can get more people who can potentially buy from you to want to buy from you. Um, uh, convert demand is the actual conversion point. The people who uh, understand mm. that you exist, they have a pain, they have a market. Now, how do you get them to choose you? So it's all things from like um, the website journey. When somebody gets to your website, they've heard of you from somewhere. Um, people don't just dream of URLs and go to Google and then stumble upon your website. Um, so from that journey to form, to conversion rate optimizations, to messaging, to this is where that sales enablement comes into play. When somebody submits a form to talk to somebody, where does that journey go? All of that is part of the conversion journey. Create demand is more of those of saying, okay, how do individuals hear about us and where can be, where can, how can we be more present in those channels? Do they hear about us from our thought leadership content? Do they hear about us because our CEO is active on LinkedIn? Do they hear about us from it's understanding how individuals come to the company hmm. and then understanding how we can get more of that? <clears throat> so that's kind of his definitions in a nutshell. What I've actually kind of like, branded on my own as a subhead to that is generating demand, which is essentially the create demand portion, convert demand. And then I added the third section to that, which is maintaining demand. And so hmm. that is the full funnel of you've got to drive top of funnel. You've got to be able to not forget about the conversion or the leaks in the funnel. And you've also can't forget about your customers. 
because renewals, partnerships, upsells, cross-sells, churning, all those things are important. Retention, all those things are important when it comes to business metrics and business objectives. Mm. So if we can get all of that in unison, that's a full funnel demand gen strategy, not forgetting about maintaining demand. How do we make sure that we're having a good quality interaction with our customers? Do they want to continue buying from us? Do they actively churn in a few months or a few years? How can we get longer contracts? How can we make bigger contracts? That comes with making sure that you're also maintaining it with a brand reputation. Super cool. I love that. And I love how you expanded the definition as well. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like, and there's actually a stat that keeps coming to my mind. Forrester came out with a stat of like, um, only 5% of your market is in market right now, actually searching for a solution, right? 95% of your market is not in market. They're not searching. They're not on Google searching, right? And so capturing that demand there's only a certain amount you can capture. And so that's where demand generation comes in, right? Of like, how do we get those other 95% uh, to understand the problem, to understand that we can solve the problem, et cetera, et cetera, build that relationship. Well, um, I think, and that's the great separation yeah. between demand generation and create demand of what Chris Walker will tell you. So demand generation, like what I've taken as a definition is generating demand for the business as a whole, the business as a whole, and that scale. So customer success can create demand. They can be responsible for revenue. Mm -hmm. Sales can generate demand by doing their outreaching. Marketing can be responsible for generating demand, right? But it's the creating demand portion of going out and finding new people. That's what Chris mm -hmm. specifies with his um, uh, create demand terminology. So demand generation as a whole, like I mentioned, is a go-to-market strategy. So that's the difference of like... Demand generation as the umbrella and then the different components of it, uh, create demand, convert demand, maintain demand. I love it. I love it. And I love that maintain demand as well. Cause I think uh, not only from the brand side of maintaining the brand um, and, and whatnot, but even from my customer marketing side of mm -hmm. how do we get folks to expand and retain and then advocacy, which is like one of the best, most efficient drivers I've experienced is how to get your customers to advocate any thoughts on that as far as like 1000 customers that's exactly yeah. yeah that's exactly the whole purpose of of the maintaining demand because at the end of the day you don't want to just like i mean maybe some people do but you don't want to just like take people's money like you want to actually hmm. in exchange for that give them something that they could then take to market and advocate for and talk about the biggest thing like the the biggest win for a marketer is to do a webinar and have a customer on it advocating hmm for why this is important like that that's like the best thing ever or getting customers who will be like heck yeah i'll go on video talking about how great you are like mm -hmm. how do you get people to be like heck yeah no brainer hands down whatever you need that doesn't just come by signing a, a contract you know that doesn't just come after the exchange of cool you bought from us c'est la vie like that comes from the maintaining demand portion of saying we mm. want you to feel like you're important to us um and absolutely you know the give give take mentality like we'll give you everything you need under the world and then once upon a time when we ask you to join a webinar for us like it should it should be there the morale should be there to do that i love it i love it yeah and creating those uh yeah, those those customers that really love your product i keep on thinking of winning by design they have this uh, definition yeah. for uh, reoccurring revenue and they say uh, reoccurring revenue is the result of reoccurring impact. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of ties in a little bit of this, right? Where uh, especially Absolutely. in the BD world, how do we how do we create that reoccurring impact? Because that will then not only keep our customers happy, but then have that advocacy uh, down the road as well. Yeah. 
Super cool. I'd love to kind of, we have a couple minutes left, um, five or 10 minutes. I'd love to kind of talk about just tactics, campaigns, channels. Where are you seeing kind of uh, in the B2B world from a demand gen? Thinking more top of funnel. We've kind of talked about obviously full funnel, but let's look kind of focus more on top of funnel. Where do we see community? It could be creating content. You mentioned webinars. Where do you see uh, folks driving the most engagement um, in that more top of funnel creating creating demand? I'm really seeing that people are want some sort of networking or engagement. So if that is a community online, like a Slack community, if that's an actual like in-person flagship event that somebody can go and attend, if those are quarterly on-sites or whatever, like hoorah little in-person networking, coffee and chat, that's what I'm seeing work really well for driving pipeline um, as a, like a top of funnel initiative. Um, I've also been hearing a lot of chitter chatter about LinkedIn's new update about thought leadership ads. I've been seeing that um, work really good from um, like nine times in click through rates and really getting the conversion side of those for taking that next action of what was mentioned in that ad. Now, of course, that's more than just ad dollars. That's ad copy, too. Um, but I would say test that right now. Um, come out with your feedback and your best practices and whatever A-B test you did with that, because I'd also love to learn from you. And one thing that's underutilized right now that I'm seeing that I'm uh, deploying with my customers as well is newsletters. If you have a strong brand, uh, a previously created brand that you can then have as thought leadership content, newsletter is the way to go. Once people are wanting to look to you to provide more thought leadership content and to learn more about the topics that they're interested in. Now, of course, if you're a startup and you don't have too much, you know, um, subscriber base or anything, maybe maybe stick to your normal email channels um, or maybe look to grow a newsletter. But something that's untapped right now for some of the clients that I have that are more on the larger scale newsletters are the way to go. They have the database that's there segmented, healthy, ready to learn from them. They're just not tapping it. So really untapped mm. potential right now has been newsletters for me. Tell me, can you break down maybe some key aspects of like an effective newsletter, if, you know, frequency, it could be the type of content, it could be, yeah, tell me what, what, what you're learning and what you're seeing your, your customers yeah. are learning as well. I'm seeing a lot of monthly newsletters. Um, excuse me. Okay. <clears throat> I would actually recommend weekly or biweekly, to be honest with you. Um, biweekly at a minimum. If you can, I would push for weekly. And I say this by pretty much pausing all other email communications, like leading with a newsletter as your email strategy, pretty much unless given otherwise. Um, and so that's why you can do it weekly because you're not going to exhaust your, your email communications to them. But in those newsletters, refrain from saying, me, 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 me. Refrain from saying, we did this, we did this. Like, frame it in a way that somebody could read it and say, hmm, that's interesting. Like, what's your point of view on a topic? You could draft it on the words of a CEO and just say, you know, words of a CEO, why... AI is taking over blah, blah, blah. You know, like if we're in the AI space, um, you could frame it in why uh, you need to be advocating for X amount of dollars if you're in X department or have that more of like a story that somebody can learn from instead of straight links of product release, content for you, like more things you may like. Oh, by the way, like uh, join our webinar. Like 
provide value first, put something that's interesting. And then at the end, you can say, you know, want to learn more? Here's an upcoming webinar or check out our podcast or whatever else. Like if somebody's engaged, but that's at the bottom, they're not engaged at the very tippity top. They, when they get engaged is when they, they've read what you want them to read, to read. And so make sure that you're coming out with something that would be valuable to them with more of in the lens of what's in it for them versus let's talk about me. Love that. Love that. Sounds like a lot of, uh, I have this uh, term called selfless content where I think uh, a lot of content, right, is self-serving and and selfish. And some of that's okay, right? You got to position the product, you got to position the brand. But uh, I think the most effective content to build rapport, to build trust, uh, and get engagement, like you mentioned, to get people to actually read is focusing on them and actually providing thought leadership. And I love the newsletter um, uh, portion of that, especially since it's like an owned media asset, right? It's something you <laughs> own. Um, you're nurturing folks. You already have an email list. Any other tactics you're seeing out there or, or campaigns or um, or even if you want to dive a little bit deeper into community um, and uh, was one of them you mentioned. Any other thoughts there? Um, I mean, I've just events. I'm going to just conclude with okay. events like in-person, virtual webinars are making a comeback, like taking that still like selfless mindset. I think you could really make anything work for you. Um, but be very cautious to see somebody on LinkedIn saying, you know, Google ads is dead or email is dead or chatbot is dead. Like I disagree with all of those. The channels in and of itself aren't dead. They just need a little bit more TLC. Um, and mm-hmm. they need to be like modernized with those type of approaches. But if you can take that, I, I would say give any and all channels um, a try, like make sure you know where your audience is, is, is at and consuming content and then reframe what wasn't working before and try any and all channels, like by all means, <laughs> like please, by all means. Um, I've seen events um, work really well for like just driving pipeline though. Um, people are really seeking that level of engagement um, face-to-face, you know, so finding a way to bring a sense of community. Slack communities, I, I feel there's very few of them that people are active in all the time. There's very mm-hmm. few where they're like, that's my favorite one and they check constantly. So I would say try to reframe a different approach to community if that's something that you're after. Um, don't just say everybody's doing a Slack community like we should too. Um, try and think about a different way about how you can provide a sense of community. So uh, I'll leave it there. <laughs> Super cool. Anything on the community side where you, like, even anecdotally from your own personal engagement or the companies you've worked with, the ones that have stood out, what was that? Was there anything in particular there that you saw the difference in and how they operated the community? Having one person actually dedicated to making mm. it successful. So oftentimes people want to do a community or a Slack community and there's no in-house community person to do that. So it's the social person or the content person or the demand gen person or, you know, whoever else that kind of gets like, hey, we want to do a community, like you go do it. And it's not their top priority. It's not their passion. It's not their skill set or their expertise. So what I've seen succeed is, and I've had two examples in mind, um, is having a dedicated events and community person mm-hmm. whose passion it is to provide a sensible community for everybody else. And they're active in their own community themselves. Um, and they're fostering that sense of collaboration where if somebody's posting a question, they'll tag others and say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And they're asking others to like come in and contribute to it instead of just a community where it's like, ask me anything and people are just adding comments 
and you know you just get overwhelmed by all notifications so mm-hmm. those are the difference of like having somebody actually proactively wanting it to succeed and dedicating the time to that oh that could be a great uh piece of advice for any marketing in general is having dedicated focus or right. <laughs> not trying to do too much you know do too many campaigns too too many different programs so great great advice i love that um awesome well i think we're out of time here thanks so much for coming on the show how can folks follow you online and connect with you yeah great question um i'm super active on linkedin so at a minimum you can find me connect with me there um you'll be able to go to my website or subscribe to my newsletter or anything else everything's all kind of geared up so go to linkedin first um that's kind of my one and done for like a social promotion if you will (laughs) awesome perfect well thanks again janelle for coming on i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me appreciate it (music) 